Hey guys, welcome back to the Rock This Life podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Miller, and this is season one, episode five. And today I am here at my kitchen table all by myself, surrounded by a super messy house because I am sick, which means I didn't clean on Sunday. (laughs) And yeah, it's really hard to focus when everything around me is a disaster, but that is where we're at today. This is the time that I have. So here we are. Let's get going. Um, This week, I wanted to talk about something that really triggered me on social media, which, you know, I have my Instagram accounts. I have three Instagram accounts now. I have my Rock and Mama Life one for my blog, and then I have a fitness one, Lindsay Miller Fitness, and then now a new Rock This Life podcast Instagram. But I really try to not spend a lot of time on the internet, on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. I check in every once in a while, but I'm kind of hands off. When I had my first kid, I like fell into a vortex of Facebook mommy groups and I would never post on there because if you're not a mom or you're not on Facebook, posting in a Facebook mommy group is kind of like inviting everybody on the planet to tell you how to live your life and all the things that you're doing wrong in it. Uh, it's like there's this anonymity of the internet where people just feel like they can say the most ridiculous things with zero consequence. But it seems to be very prevalent in particular on the mommy boards. So I happen to be just kind of browsing through, checking in, and I got roped into this like mommy war on on Facebook and this Facebook group where somebody had posted an article about a woman in Colorado whose son had passed away from the flu, tragically, like horrible, horrible story. And what they had done was they weren't just sharing about this. Instead, they were posting this article that basically claimed that this woman was responsible for her son's death and they were making a martyr of this woman in the sense that she was active on Facebook mommy blogs or mommy groups and so she was asking for advice on Facebook and then they made the gigantic leap in you know assumptions that instead of going to a doctor she was just seeking advice on the internet and that this somehow led to her child passing away which is ridiculous. Basically, it was like a witch hunt for this woman. They were posting the most ridiculous comments like, oh, how dare she? She should be ashamed of herself. She killed her son. And then justifying it by saying, well, if I was this woman, I wouldn't want anybody else to make my mistake and kill their own kid. And I was just like, what is happening? Who are these people? This woman just lost her son. And she lost her son to the flu, which is like not her fault that her child got the flu. Actually, I think she has several kids and they all got sick and she was in and out of the doctor's office for all of her kids. She had seen the doctors multiple times. She gave her son Tamiflu. You know, we don't know whether or not they were vaccinated, but regardless, it doesn't matter. This woman lost her child and the internet was attacking her for her parenting choices when in reality, what she really needed was like, A, to be left alone. She's grieving or to have support and love and, you know, people lifting her up and not saying, well, this is your fault because who does that? Nobody would ever show up 
at someone's funeral or their wake and be like, well, I mean, this was your fault, right? Like nobody would do that. And if they did do that, they're a horrible person. Like that is just wrong. Like nobody would be okay with that. Uh, Nobody would jump on that bandwagon and be like, yeah, I mean, it was your fault. Like nobody does that. That's so, so wrong. But for some reason, when someone posts it on the internet, they can't seem to be reasoned with on like why this is so wrong. So it got me like really, really heated. Like I literally was so upset about it that I was driving to a meeting and I sat in my car and felt the need to post a story on my Instagram, which I never, ever do. But I was so upset about it. And so, you know, I came home and I told my husband and he's like, why are you so upset about this? And I was like, I don't know. And I thought about it some more and I realized, you know what? I am really upset about it because A, it's so many levels of wrong and I'm a very empathetic person, but also I realized that it was really triggering for me because, and some of you may know this, but many of you do not, about three months ago, a little over three months ago, our youngest daughter, Emerson, fell and fractured her skull. And it's not something that I talk about um, really at all. (laughs) I haven't talked about it. I haven't posted about it. I haven't blogged about it. Um, I posted when it initially happened, like very briefly, but a lot of people really don't know what happened. Um, And the reason being is because there is this insane level of guilt. Um, And when something happens to your child, when your child is injured, or God forbid, if they were to pass away, there is this level of guilt where like your, your job in their life, your, your main role is to make sure that they are safe and healthy and loved and supported. And so when, you know, I remember when, when my oldest was a baby and I had trouble breastfeeding and I was like, oh my God, I can't like, my job is to feed you and keep you alive. And he was falling off the weight charts. He was, you know, went from 85th percentile to 7th percentile. And I couldn't get him to eat and I couldn't get him to gain weight. And I was like, this is like my job, my job. You know, it's like this, um, this primal instinct, like as a mother, as a parent, your job is to keep them alive and healthy and well. And so when something happens to your kids, and I apologize because I might cry during this podcast, but when something happens to your kids, it's hard to not feel responsible, like you failed them in some way. And so when this woman was being attacked, I felt very vulnerable and very, you know, it just was very triggering because it you know, brought all of those feelings of Emmy's accident back. So um, I'm going to talk about today what happened with Emmy because I think it's really important for parents who have had a kid who's been through a traumatic injury or loss to know that it's not your fault, but it's also normal to feel like it is. Um, so I'm sharing my story today uh, with you. And so here goes I guess about three months ago it was you know it was in September I guess four months now four months ago so late September I dropped off my oldest at kindergarten and then my middle one at preschool and then Emmy and I were going because our my middle child Luca was invited to 
a birthday party after school at the park. And I had not gotten a present yet. Usually, I order something off Amazon or I go to Target or whatever, but I hadn't. And I thought, oh, it'll be fun. We'll go to this little toy store up the street. And so I went and I drove there. And actually, normally I would like walk down there, but I was just trying to get stuff done that morning. And so I drove down and I parked in their parking lot. And then I was going to put Emmy in the stroller, but I realized that I had not uh, put it back in the car. That weekend we had gone biking at a nearby park and so we had taken the strollers out of the car and brought all the kids bikes and scooters and I hadn't put the stroller back in the car so I was like okay well she's you know she's walking pretty good I'll let her walk or I'll carry her and we'll just you know walk around the block and kill some time because they're not quite open yet so we walked around the block and then you know walked to the front of the store which is on um, a kind of mean street in in Los Angeles you know like a there's like shops and stuff so we're just kind of walking by all the stores and then in front of the toy store there's a little carousel so they you know like those little three three or four person carousels that are like low to the ground they have them sometimes in like malls or you know outside of places like that well they have a little a little one here in front of the store and so I was like okay well I'll just let her sit on this. And so I was, I had my AirPods in and my mom had just called. So I was talking to my mom and I was holding Emmy on the horse and she was just sitting there. And, um, and then this woman came up and she said, Oh, can I put a quarter in? And I said, no, um, she's not old enough. She's just going to sit here. And then I kind of turned away and like was talking to my mom and holding on to Emmy. And next thing I know, um, she had put the quarter in anyway and I didn't see her and the carousel started and when it started it kind of like jolted to start and when it jolted she came out of my hands for a second and then I tried to follow her around but the carousel was right next to a wall because it was right in a corner so there was two walls and where she had been sitting was out like kind of more on the sidewalk and I tried to follow her around but I couldn't fit and it was going pretty fast and she looked at me and she reached for me and then she fell flat on the ground and she hit her head on the back of her head and then the carousel started to drag her around and um in that moment I don't really even remember what I was feeling I will never forget the look on her face when she reached for me and I couldn't get her and I scooped her up and I looked at her and I was like oh you know all right she's okay she's okay I just kept saying she's okay she's okay over and over um and the woman that had put the cord in and her friend were kind of standing there and I was standing on the street just kind of pacing back and forth and holding Emmy and just trying to figure out do I take her to the hospital do I take her to the pediatrician it's right up the street like do I call the pediatrician what do I do oh my god what do I do and then I looked down and her eyes rolled back and she passed out and went unconscious and limp in my arms. And uh, if you've ever experienced something like that, it is, there are no words. Um, there are no words for the feeling you have. Um, there, there are no feelings. Like I just remember 
I don't remember anything. I remember just screaming. Like it was like I wasn't in my body. I was just screaming on the side of the road like a crazy person, I'm sure. And uh, there was this man that had seen the whole thing and he was calling 911 or I think he was asking me if you should call 911. And I just was screaming, Emmy, 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 wake up, Emmy. Um, And screaming helped me. And I just remember screaming those things over and over and and I was like paralyzed. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even, I couldn't even think of like what to do or what to say or, or what, there's just this moment of like helplessness and panic and you just don't even know what to do. And thank God this, um, this woman, a mom with a stroller walked up and she didn't even talk, like she literally like pushed me holding Emmy, like pushed me. And I remember her saying, my pediatrician is across the street. There's an urgent care across the street. Let's go. Let's go. And she just literally, I think she had a friend with her and they like pushed me down the road. Um, And it it felt like, I don't even remember getting there, but we crossed major, major roads with no lights, like ran across. Thank God, like we didn't get hit by a car, but like there was just, I remember like three or four people just like pushing me towards this urgent care and I went in and I was screaming and screaming help me help me and and they like were like what happened what happened I was trying to explain and um and they brought me into a room and right then the paramedics got there and when the paramedics got there she started to cry which was good I guess it was reassuring um and I remember looking at the paramedic as they like pushed me onto the the ambulance and saying is she gonna be okay and he said she's gonna be okay she's gonna be okay she's crying that's a good thing you need to calm down you need to breathe and I remember them you know just getting all this information but I don't like it just is such a blur like I don't remember physically walking to the to any of these places or like getting in and then the next thing I know we were at the hospital and I've been to the hospital a couple times before um and I always remember there being like such an incredible weight and when you go to the emergency room you want there to be a weight because that means whatever you're there for they don't think is that important um but that day we were very important very important um they rolled us in right into a trauma room and it seemed like every doctor nurse everyone in the hospital was in that room. I and mean, they were probably 30 people in that room and and they were taking her clothes off and hooking her to things and they were asking me questions and I was trying to just just keep it together just holding her and crying and trying to answer questions and before we knew it she was in you know within a matter of minutes into a CT scan um, of which she had to lay perfectly still for and so I had to hold her and calm her and we like swaddled her and tried to get her to hold still because if she didn't hold still then they were going to have to give her medication and they didn't want to give the medication until they knew she was okay and so I finally got her calm and they did the CT scan of her head Um, and then we went in for multiple x-rays of which thank god my husband got there they they I remember somebody from, um, so we were at UCLA and they have this child life 
team of people that are there to support um, kids and families when they're in the hospital. And this woman came and she brought toys and she brought, you know, food for me and food for Emmy if Emmy got hungry. And, um, and she took my phone from me and I said, just call my husband, just call my husband. I, I, I called, my mom was on the phone with me and I had her call him, but he doesn't know where I am or what's going on. And so she called Micah for me and thank God he was able to get there because when they went in for the x-rays, um, they, uh, they had to like hold her still and she was screaming and I just like didn't have the strength to do it. I had to leave the room. And so Micah held her down for the x-rays and then we went to wait in the room, um, and at that point, we didn't know, but she was starting to act a little more normal. Like she was kind of out of it, um, a little bit sleepy. She did eventually fall asleep after all of the x-rays because she was exhausted. And I just laid there with her. And um, then we waited and a doctor came and they said, everything initially looks okay. We need to have some more people look at it and we'll let you know. And then about 20 minutes later, Mike and I were sitting there and I heard somebody walk by, a doctor walk by on the phone and say, we need a neuro consult in the ER. He said, there's a baby that fell and fractured her skull. And I overheard this because, you know, in the way in like the ER, you have like drapes for doors. And in that moment, my like stomach sank and I felt like I was gonna vomit and I looked at Micah and I said I know it's her they're talking about Emmy she fractured her skull they're talking about Emmy you need to go and find somebody now what is going on and I freaked out um as any parent would when they heard that their kid fractured their skull uh and so they Micah went and got the nurse and the nurse came in and she said we're we're waiting on the doctors we'll we'll you know wait to worry and and they'll come in and tell us what's going on and so then after that it was like doctor after doctor after doctor um there was a neurologist the pediatric neurologist there was the ER doctor there was the pediatric internist there I don't even know there was like four different doctors um that were coming in and talking to us and, you know, saying, well, she fractured her skull and there's some swelling, but we don't see any bleeding, but the swelling is not swelling on the outside. So that means it's got to go somewhere. And so we're worried about the swelling on the inside. And so we want to admit her and we need to watch her. And I was like, okay. And they just kept saying it's the good kind of fracture. So the kind of fracture she had didn't, um, there weren't any pieces that broke off. It was like a clean break and it wasn't pushing in to her, um, to her brain. So it was fractured, but stayed in place, which is if your baby's going to fracture their skull, that's the kind of fracture you want, I guess. Um, a non-displaced fracture. So, you know, I kept, and, and this whole time I was, talking via text with our pediatrician who we absolutely adore our pediatrician and I trust him wholeheartedly um with all of our kids 
And so he was trying to reassure me like, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, they're going to keep her overnight. They just want to watch her. They want to make sure there's no bleeding, no swelling, no brain involvement. Um, We're just going to keep an eye on her. So I was like, okay, okay. Um, You know, mm, okay. So they admitted Emmy and then she had a team of doctors coming in, you know, it was like this revolving door of doctor after doctor after doctor coming in and observing her and watching her and taking notes and asking questions. And then we finally went up and got a room in the, um, in the pediatric ward. Uh, yeah. And then we were in the hospital for two days and it was two days of, like incredible stress and then there was this whole drama like the first night where they wanted to hook up these um like leads to her head these things to monitor her brain activity but one team of doctors felt it was necessary one team of doctors felt it was not necessary and so then I was like well what you know what happens if we don't do it then what happens if something's wrong and they don't catch it and finally about halfway through them putting these on, which is this whole process of they have to, it's like torture. And she was just screaming and we had to hold her down. And so I eventually left the hospital. I said, my guy, I just need to take a break. And um, so he stayed with her and I went and went on a walk and tried to like force myself to get something to eat, which I didn't because I had no appetite. And then I came back and, um, and they had decided to not do them so they took them all off they had done about half of her head and they took them all off and they said we're just going to watch her really closely we don't feel like this is necessary and the one like lead pediatric um doctor was like I don't think this is necessary I think it's um it was coming from the pediatrics so she had a pediatric trauma team she had a pediatric surgeon and then the pediatric neurology team all following her and it was the pediatric trauma team that was ordering this um this monitoring and the pediatric surgeon said if she needed this level of monitoring then she should be in the pediatric ICU and she's not an ICU patient so we feel like it's unnecessary and that we can just monitor here with her vital signs and the other things that we watch and I was like okay I'm gonna trust you and So I trusted her, um, and we didn't do it. We stayed in the hospital for two days, and finally by the second day, was able to, like, sit and play a little bit and was, like, walking around, but she was really wobbly, and the the part of her brain where she fell and and injured was her occipit, which is, like, vision and balance. Um, So now we have a toddler who's wobbly to begin with, and she, I think she was about uh, 15 months at the time. So she's still a little wobbly on her legs. And uh, now she's got balance problems. And then we're sent home and she's not supposed to hit her head at all. So the next couple of weeks, um, basically, I did not leave her side. I like followed her around like a hawk. And it was so incredibly stressful because anytime she would wobble or she would fall. I was like so worried. And then, you know, we were home from the hospital for about two days and she started falling a lot, um, and falling over just like she would be sitting and then she would just fall over and she couldn't really go up and downstairs. And 
sh- things that she had been doing before she wasn't doing and then she started going like whoa whoa and she would like wobble and fall over so we brought her back into the doctor we brought her into our pediatrician and he had us call the pediatric surgeon who then said we should keep an eye on her but if it progresses we need to bring her back into the hospital for more monitoring and maybe more testing and that we needed to have a follow-up with the pediatric neurologist or we already were supposed to have a follow-up with a pediatric neurologist but that maybe we needed to bump it up a little sooner so we went in and saw the pediatric neurologist and he was so not helpful (laughs) Um, basically he was like I mean she fractured her skull there's no surgery for us to do she didn't have a brain bleed that we saw Uh, if things get worse come back in if not then just whatever and you know obviously we had a lot of questions we were like well what if you know do we know if there's any lasting damage or anything like that and he basically the way he said it was like we don't know um he said the concussion symptoms can last you know from the traumatic brain injury she had a a massive you know concussion and so he said obviously she can't hit her head again for like at least three months um, because concussions can be aggregate so any amount of brain injury that she has right now if she hits her head again it could be really devastating if she hits her head again Um, and that as far as the fracture it should just heal but I guess so so because of her age she's lucky but also unlucky in terms of they said her age is probably what saved her life um, because she is so young um, that there's her brain is designed so that there's space in between the brain and the skull so that the skull can grow or the brain can grow um, without hitting the skull and so there's a lot of space there so when she fractured her skull and it swelled um, there was a lot of space that she had to work with before it would press on and damage her brain. But on the other hand, because her skull is still growing and not fully formed, there is a chance that as she grows, um, that the fracture won't heal because her skull is growing faster than the fracture heals. And they said that that's really unlikely, but it is a possibility, and we just have to keep an eye on her skull and make sure that no bumps or divots develop I guess um and and the whole thing is just like crazy to me that I'm like that's the that's the science we're working with is I'm just supposed to feel her head and make sure like the fracture heals um and how am I supposed to know that uh but that is apparently what you do and so there's that and then in terms of long term he basically was like well we have no way of knowing because she is so young we won't know until she's older and it may be that there are things down the road um, more likely from the concussion so concussion is a form of traumatic brain injury and hers was quite severe in terms of you know the way he explained it was like you know we get severe concussions from like sports injuries but the amount of force that fractures a skull you can imagine creates a quite severe concussion um to have that amount of force and the and the injury to the brain inside and 
we were incredibly fortunate that there wasn't like a brain bleed or a severe brain injury other than the concussion, but uh, we don't know what the future holds. And for all intents and purposes, you know, three and a half, four, almost four months later, she is normal. Um, she's talking and playing and running and riding her scooter and being a daredevil. And, um, but there's little things, you know, little things like on the swing, she doesn't love being on the swing. And I think she gets a little like, Ooh, with it. Um, and sometimes she has a hard time sleeping, but again, she's a toddler. So it's, it's so hard because it's this gray area where like, they're so young that we don't know if this is just her being a toddler or if this is from the injury. So that is, you know, like that is where it's at. Um, but what I really wanted to talk about <clears throat> is like the guilt of, of what happened that day. Um, because not only do I have this like long, you know, this question mark of like when she's seven or eight, is she going to have problems focusing or is she going to have a vision problem because of this? And she's not old enough to tell us that she's seeing spots. And, you know, I've talked to other people who had traumatic injuries when they were kids and it turns out like their color, like they have a hard time seeing colors or like they have, you know, visual disturbances on like one side or things like that. And at the end of the day, you know, I personally know people and I've read horrible stories of babies and kids that had falls far less severe than Emmy's and were nowhere near as lucky. So we're incredibly like grateful that the injuries that she did sustain don't appear to have large lasting damage and that is like, you know, thank God, right? Like, thank God, because there really is, you know, I read a story on Facebook the other day of a baby that just fell off a bed, just rolled off a bed, and he'll never be the same again. And he'll never lead a normal life, a quote-unquote normal life, and he's severely, you know, traumatically, has a traumatic brain injury. And Emmy's fall was worse, and there's no rhyme or reason. And, and when it comes to like traumatic brain injury or like stuff like that, there's really no, there is no rhyme or reason as to why one kid is okay and one kid is not. And it's like, you know, fractions of, you know, centimeters or inches or whatever. It's like so slight. It's like, did you hit on this angle or that angle? Or, I mean, she fell so hard, she fractured her skull. And there are kids that fall and don't have a fracture and they, and they don't survive. Like it's just, it's, it's crazy to think about. And when I think about it, it makes me want to vomit. Um, and you know, there's this, there's this guilt, right? Part of why I never talk about what happened with Emmy is because I feel like it's my fault. Um, I feel like if I had just not been on my phone, I would have seen the woman put the quarter in maybe or if I had been more assertive and been like no she can't ride this and been really and not been so kind about it like maybe she would have gotten the message or 
If I had not forgotten the stroller to put it back in the car, she would have been in the stroller. She would have never even been on that horse. Or if I had remembered to buy a gift ahead of time, we never even would have been at the toy store. And, you know, it's just all these insignificant little choices that you make that that lead up to this one fraction of a second in time that can change everything. And, um, and it's hard not to relive that over and over and over again. Um, after the accident, my, my six-year-old, when we explained to him what happened, he was really mad. Um, he was really mad at this woman. And he said, why is she not in jail? She broke a baby's head. And, and I said, you know what? You're right. Like it is, it's awful. Um, and a lot of other people were like, where did this woman go? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. She walked away. And, and what I said to my son is, you know, I will never forget this woman's face. I will never, I will never forget what she was wearing. She was wearing a navy blue polo. She worked for the transit services. It said it on her shirt. Um, I will never forget what she looked like. I will never, I will never forget her face. Um, and she will never know if Emmy was okay or not. When she walked away, my daughter was unconscious, had just fallen and fractured her skull and then dragged underneath a carousel. And she walked away and she will never know if she's okay. And that is way worse. Like she will never know. And she's going to have to live with that every day. And it doesn't make it okay. Um, but nothing's going to make it okay. You know, her being held responsible. And I really feel in my heart of hearts, she she made a mistake, right? Like people make mistakes and sometimes you can make a mistake and the result isn't that great. And sometimes you make choices that you don't even realize are a mistake and they are devastating. And, you know, it just, there was this article a while back uh, about 9-11 and stories of like the most insignificant things that led to people's lives being saved that morning you know it was like one man he was running late for work and he missed his train and he was like super pissed or like there was a couple who got in a fight that morning and and so the husband was like running late or you know the kid who forgot their lunch so the mom had to go and bring the, you know it's just these really insignificant annoyances in people's days and they ended up saving their lives and when it comes to accidents or injuries and and things that happen they happen in like a fraction of a second and it's this buildup of insignificant choices that lead up to them it's not like oh you should have known you could have seen it coming and I think that that's like the hardest part of it all is like as a parent, you do everything you can to like protect your kids. I get the most ridiculous car seats. I make my kids ride rear facing in the car until they're like four years old and their knees are in their chest. Like, you know, my six-year-old is still in a five-point harness, bless his heart. He really wants to ride in a booster with a shoulder strap, but I'm like, you still fit, so you're still riding. And, you know, my kids are not allowed to ride scooters without helmets on. There's kids all over the park and scooters and bikes. My kids will never set foot on a bike or a scooter or even touch them without a helmet on, and they know that. And, you know, I'm so cautious 
I'm so cautious. I do everything I can to protect them and keep them healthy. Like when they come home from school, I strip all their germy clothes off them, wash their hands, wash their faces, put them in clean clothes and put those clothes immediately in the wash. I do everything in my power to to keep them safe and healthy. And in that one moment, I mean, I was right there. My hands were on her body. I was holding her. I was holding her and in just one moment, one jolt, one fast start, there was nothing I could do. And that is like, I think the hardest realization that like, and the thing that carries with you after and the thing that you can't let go of is just the helplessness and the, the reality that like you can do all this stuff that you want to create this safe and healthy place, but you can't control it all. And all it takes is one second, one second of time that you never see coming, you never anticipate that you can't control and like everything can be taken away. And like that is really hard to live with. Um, You know, I remember right after the accident, being at the park with my boys, my older ones, and just every time they would like jump off something or run, I'm like, oh, I can see, you see the world in terms of of danger after that. Like, you know, when they're playing at the park, I see all the ways they can hit their heads and hurt themselves. I see all the things that could go wrong. You know, I see the sand on the cement that they could slip on and crack their head open. I see, you know, I just, that's all you see after that and and you can't unsee it you know I used to be a parent who would like be pretty hands-off on the playground and let my kids you know do what they were capable of I always had a rule you can climb as high as you can get by yourself because I figured if they can climb up then they can climb down and it's within their abilities and now it's really hard for me to let especially Emmy be on the playground um and not be there like like a hawk with her because in just one moment like one wrong step one wobble like it all could change and you know so that is my story (laughs) I haven't shared this before um and if you know anyone or you are someone who has lost a child or had a child suffer a traumatic injury or an accident um and I'm going to be talking to a couple of people on the podcast um, in a couple of weeks about it because I just think it's really important for people to know, for this woman in Colorado to know that we all do our best. Like we all do what we can to keep our kids safe and healthy and sometimes life happens and you don't expect it and it all changes and you know it's something that carries with you forever I mean I will carry this with me for the rest of my life um those moments those seconds those days um in the hospital and I will never unsee them I will never unlive them and every time you know she falls or bumps her head or wobbles or falls over or gets dizzy or acts off. Um, I'm always going to wonder. 
I'm always gonna be taken right back to that day, to those seconds, to that that guilt, that like what if, um, and yeah. So, um, I'm not sure what the moral is. Maybe the moral is uh, we don't know what each moment holds, and all we can do is our best, and all we can do is be here and be present and be aware and be kind to ourselves and to the people around us and know that everybody's just doing their best. Um, And when you're on the internet, (laughs) don't say terrible things to strangers. You don't know because you don't know what they're going through. So I guess the point is just have grace with yourselves, have grace with the people around you um, because you never know when things could change just like in an instant. Um, and I firmly believe that the way you carry yourself and the way you look at life and the way you treat other people comes back around. Thank you guys for listening to the Rock This Life podcast. Follow us on social media at Rock This Life podcast on Facebook and Instagram or go to our website at rockthislifepodcast.com. And if you liked what you heard, please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.